Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Florian Wimmer, co-founder and CEO of BlockPit, a crypto tax platform that's raised $15 million in funding. Florian, thanks for chatting with me today. Hey, Brett. Great to be here. Yeah. yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building there, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Absolutely. So I'm a software engineer by trade, so studied software development. After studies, actually started working at KPMG, so not the usual route uh, for software engineer, but uh, learned a lot there years and during my time I got into crypto so 2015 bought my first Bitcoin and yeah so this is kind of the, the holy trinity of, of working at an audit firm uh, being in crypto and having a software development background and then living in a quite heavily regulated country Austria it's strict on taxation actually is one of the first countries that has crypto tax law like a, a specific tax law for crypto and yeah I had a big problem with my taxes and so yeah that got me into building a solution and ultimately founding a company to not just build it for myself, but to also sell it uh, to other people in 2017. And I'm one of the founders, um, CEO, and basically I think held every position in the company that you could imagine so far from developing or marketing and now mostly like public relations, investor relations, business development. Nice, very cool. And two questions I'd like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder. What CEO do you admire the most and what do you admire about them? Probably the CEO of one of our partner companies, uh, DeltaCon X. So his name is Thomas Book. Not really well known, I think, but he built the company completely bootstrapped and had, I think, like seven really harsh years until regulation hit and his uh, business went completely boom. And yeah, like the endurance and what you built in the similar space that we are in is, is something, yeah, I've learned a lot from and I really admire him. Nice. Super cool. I've not heard of them, but I'll, or not heard of him, but I'll definitely check that out. What about books? Is there a specific book that's had a major impact on you as a founder? And this can be a you know, traditional business book or just a personal book that really influenced how you view the world. So the best book in terms of business I read is probably From Good to Great from Jim Collins. A lot of reflection there and it's just like stuff that really came close to like the experience I had in five years with the company. Uh, a lot of things we did right, a lot of things I would have wished to know earlier. But yeah, that had probably a lot of impact on how I, how I lead the company, um, a lot of decisions that we've made. So I can definitely recommend that to anybody who, who is an entrepreneur. Nice. One of the classics. Such a great book. It's crazy how it's still relevant and interesting yeah, all these years later. I think they published that in like the 90s or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Let's dive deeper into block pits. I know you touched on the origin story there a little bit at the start, but let's go back. So talk to us about you know, that problem that you experienced as a crypto holder or a crypto investor, and then how that led to eventually starting block pit. Yeah. So I, I can't help myself. I have tried everything. So I started actually like mining in my cellar Bitcoin uh, back then. Uh, then Ethereum came around and bought in there. And suddenly I had like 20 exchange accounts because some coins that came out were not on that exchange that I was. And then decentralized finance came around and the wallets just like started accumulating and uh, like 
I think, 70 different like depots and accounts. And of course, like non-standardized data, not really readable from the blockchain either. Regulation kind of wishy-washy, not so clear either. But it was just like impossible for me to calculate my gains. And I tried with Excel and a human error comes into that. And uh, I think it was like 20,000 transactions per year. And so the obvious choice was uh, there needs to be a software solution for this. And uh, there was nothing on the market that really like could solve it for me in Austria. So taxation is always country specific, right? So every country has uh, different tax laws. So I had the luck that I, I had my colleagues from KPMG that really knows new stuff about taxation while I was like the tech nerd. And so the combination made perfect sense to basically solve our own issues. And we started out as a hobby, right? It was not a business in the beginning. So like the MVP was, was just built for ourselves. And and friends started like, I need that as well. I need that as well. Like, okay, I can't do it for free. I need to charge money now. And so we started off in Austria. Austria is like a great pilot country. It's kind of like the smaller Germany, like uh, a tenth of like traction, but you're really close. And so we kicked it off and then it was easier for us to also scale into other countries. The business itself changed a lot over the years. So we're coming really like from like this tax product for the individual crypto trader. And to build this, we had to build so much infrastructure, like the data crawling from the exchanges, the standardization, um, price data, asset classification, the, the tax frameworks for different countries, that we actually started selling infrastructure. And then so we, I wouldn't say it's a pivot, it's more like an evolution of the business. So we're really coming from the software as a service business, but are now offering mostly infrastructure as a service. Got it. A few things I'd like to zoom in on there. So the first one is just you know, the fact that you were at KPMG. I think for a lot of people, that's a, a dream organization to be part of. And I think some people will join KPMG early in their careers and end up you know, sticking around there for the majority, if not all of their careers. So was that hard for you to want to leave KPMG and to, to start doing a startup or focus on startups? Actually, I've already left when we founded the company. So yeah. never going back into corporate, to be honest. I mean, I learned a lot definitely there, but it has its, its downsides, right? Organizational structures. It's really hard to get like decisions through and stuff like this. So it was, I never looked back, like not one day. Loved the experience that I got. But yeah, having your own company, being able to make your own decisions without the big hierarchies is, is definitely <laughs> what I, I would never give up again. Yeah. Understandable. Once you go down the path of entrepreneurship, it's probably impossible to go back. Now, let's talk a bit more about the actual customers there. So I think you touched on that, but is it consumers or the end retail crypto investors who are your customers? Or is this a B2B play as well? Uh, it's both. I would say it's, it's still 85% consumers and retail. It's just like the pain point is at the consumer, the taxpayer. And, and so it's, it's either B2C or it's B2B2C because in the end, these solutions are offered to the consumer, either through us or white labeled through a client of ours. Geographically, we have a strong focus on Europe, especially EU regulated countries, but we're also active in, in the US. So we have seven countries that basically have a, a strong go-to-market, which is uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, France, Spain, Netherlands, and the US. And this probably also the, the biggest challenge for us, like scaling the business, because yeah, every regulation is different and you basically have to build a new framework for every country you're in. Of course, you can recycle a lot of the infrastructure, but that's what's the biggest challenge in, in growing into new markets. And for the B2B to C portion of the business, just understand what that looks like. So for example, 
an exchange, instead of needing to build out these capabilities and features in-house, they would work with you, white label it, and then they would instantly be able to offer this tax feature to all of their customers. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. So this is, of course, then limited to the exchange, right? So if I'm, as a user, using multiple exchanges and multiple wallets, then it makes sense to connect to us. But there is a lot of closed systems where people that just go in, they use one exchange, they have everything in there. And then the exchange love to offer this uh, directly white labeled on the platform. And nobody wants to build it themselves, right? Uh, Texas is such a topic where they really don't want to do it themselves. So it's basically kind of like a bit of a core banking infrastructure play, but mm -hmm. for the crypto market. And going forward, what do you see that split looking like in the future? Are you going to double down on the B2B to C model or portion of the business or B2C? Um, or is that still to be determined at a later date? It's already quite clear where we're going because we are mostly dependent on regulation. So regulation is our driver, um, not so much the crypto market. Oh, it helps if, if the markets go up, definitely in terms of traction. Uh, but regulation is really what's building our path forward. And we know a lot of regulation coming. So a lot of stuff has been finalized and passed in 2022. And now there's implementation periods so far as to 2026, where like, especially for a taxation, a global OECD country standard is gonna hit. And then also our products need to reflect that. And this means like, if you summarize it, regulation is gonna be like every crypto as a service provider will need to hand over the transaction data and tax information of all of the KYC users to the respective governments. So let's say I'm a Coinbase or Binance and I have a user in, in France, then I have to report those users' transaction and tax information to French authorities. And suddenly, the authorities have the information they need to crack down on tax evaders, which they don't do right now. So it's really hard to actually say with certainty how many people are paying taxes, how many are not. I think it's, it's still a, a small percentage in most mm -hmm. countries, but that regulation is definitely going to kick off like the B2B2C business as they have just like a regulatory need to offer the solutions. Well, at the moment, it's more like of a nice to have and offer it to my users as a feature. But with 2026, it's going to be, if you don't have it, you're going to get fined by the government. Got it. Makes sense. And then talk to me about like the scalability as you move from one country to another. Obviously, every country is going to have different tax laws, different regulations that have to be complied with. So it's not like you have an email marketing SaaS platform that can just you know, roll through country by country and it doesn't need to change that much. Every country is probably you know, very different and very unique. So how do you approach scaling into a new country? Do you have to hire a tax expert or a tax team from that country to learn the laws and then build or adapt your software to work within that country? Or what does that look like? Yeah, so we're working with externals for those countries, not just setting up the tax framework initially, but also keeping it up to date and getting it audited. So for us, it's really like important to also get like this trust stamp and, and having also the clearance, so to say, when it comes to government reporting. Depending on the country and the complexity, let's say, uh, from a technical standpoint, I'm really calculating a new country would take us between like one and a half months and three months, I would say. And then, of course, the market is very important for us. Like, it doesn't make sense to get into that country. How is like the, the tax honesty there? How complex is it really? Uh, do you need a solution like ours? And of course, as well, scaling with partners um, that we're integrated in. So, it's highly dependent here on, let's say we have a white label partner that has a big chunk of his users, for example, now in the Netherlands. So we started in the Netherlands because we have a big partner there. And they said, like, we need Netherlands and Belgium. And this is the traction that you can expect through us. And so this is how we 
approach new markets. Got it. And then are you actually doing the tax filing to the government directly or are you generating the reports so that the individual users can do the filing themselves? So we just generate the reports. It's not legally possible for us as we are not accountants to file for someone and get uh, like a group of authority to do it. Also, we don't want to be the honeypot of data, of KYC data and tax data and financial data. So you can use the services completely anonymous because not just like in terms of like hacking, uh, but also, of course, in terms of criminal investigation, they would love to have everything in one place for all the users and the tax information. And yeah, we're not handing over any data. And so it's better to not just have it in the first place and in terms of like being personalized data. Nice. That's smart. Now, can you share any numbers just to highlight the traction, growth, and adoption that you're seeing so far? I can share a few numbers. So I think uh, probably like the most insane number is we've uh, generated a million like text reports up to now. Wow. And we get uh, hundreds of thousands of transactions per day coming in uh, via our user base. So people are still also in this market actively trading. So database is growing massively. On the side of like the traction, it's still early in the business. So we have a few like proactive partners and clients that really want to offer these services. But I expect most of them to really like wait until the last day of regulation and implementation phases. So what we're doing here is uh, quite active at the policy making already. So we are sitting in the EU parliament in expert parties, also in the member states and building a lot of relations with those players as of course, you're also interested in policy affecting them. So yeah, as I said, like. 85% of business is still in the consumer side, but we expect that to shift and, and swap and uh, go into the direction of like the enterprise side by 2024 and then going really extreme uh, in 2026. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. And can you talk us through just what you're doing to break through the noise and, and capture the attention of all of those customers and users? Because I think they're, you know, at least in the US, I've just seen a lot of crypto tax platforms and there are a number of them out there. And I'm guessing that's the case internationally as well. So what are you doing to rise above that noise and capture that attention? It's mostly through the product. So the interesting thing that we learned as well is like doing advertisements for crypto tax software is not that effective because either you have the issue and then you need a solution now. So for us, it's really about like bringing out a lot of content, uh, positioning ourselves well in terms of search engine optimization because the because the inflow is just uh, organic. And then obviously the whole partnership stuff. So we don't need to be there directly and, and be the block with application and the users. We are really focusing on the infrastructure part and the distribution is happening then indirectly through our clients, through our partners. And yeah, as I said, like the US market, it's there's a lot of competition in Europe, not so much, which is why we are quite focused on, on the European side of business doing us as well mostly because like our clients need the us everybody has us clients but in europe we're well positioned and here it's really the policy work that we are the only ones doing to be honest that i think is going to pay off big in the future nice very cool and in terms of market categories how do you think about market categories are you creating a totally new category of software here or does this just fit into an existing category that already exists I think it's an existing category. I would say like uh, rec tech, like technology tech, tech that we know from the traditional finance world. Just the asset class is different. And of course, the big topic is decentralized data that we are now seeing with blockchain. But I think the category of the business is kind of the same as we know from traditional finance. So fintech and right. subcategory like rec tech. Makes a lot of sense. 
In terms of bringing this technology to market and the software to market, what would you say has been your greatest challenge so far and how did you overcome that challenge? I think timing is really the challenge. Um, I think we, we've definitely been too early founding five years ago. The need is just not there. And so knowing a little bit, like predicting the future, it's hard. And that's been our biggest challenge. The more clarity we get with regulation, the better that gets. So yeah, that's definitely the biggest challenge for us to have the right product at the right moment in time when the need is high. And let's talk about the market a little bit. I read something in the news recently about something going on in crypto with a, a company called FTX <laughs> that seems to be uh, all over the place. What are your thoughts on the, uh, the long-term impact that all of this FTX and SDF drama is going to cause? Do you think it's going to have a major impact or what are your thoughts there? I really hope so. And probably a a long-term, a positive one, because yeah, I hope people learn, probably not all of them, but uh, bringing more like uh, awareness and ultimately also compliance in the space is just important um, so that people stop losing money because of things like this, which resonates very well with our business. Short-term, it hurts, it hurts privately, obviously, but yeah, it's a roller coaster, right? So it's not my first bear market and uh, the cool thing is what's coming out of those bear markets because then it's time like for people to really build and also cleaning up a little bit, uh, let's say, the shady players of the space. So ultimately, it's definitely going to have a good impact on the, on the business. Short term, it's hurting the brand of crypto and blockchain as happened many times before, but uh, it seems like you can't really kill it at all. Yeah, but it seems like if this can affect it, then I don't really know what can. And yeah, you must be in a very unique position then, because if you founded this in 2017, you've been through what, like, Two bear markets so far, maybe three bear markets? Yeah, two. 18, 19 was the first bear market. Um, so we just went out with the product in, in 18 and then everything crashed. And uh, so did our attraction and our hopes of, of becoming rich quickly. Um, <laughs> luckily, we managed to get funded, which we did back then with a security token, actually. So we issued the first security token under Austrian law, which is like a yeah, it was a participation in the revenue of the company. And it was a great plan in the bull market, right? Doing an ICO, but doing it regulated. So it resonates with the business. And it was really hard then raising it when the markets crashed, but managed to do so. And then the silence in those bear markets uh, really let us focus on, on building products uh, because you get blinded in, in the bull markets, definitely. I feel like STOs were the, the term that everyone was talking about. It was going to change the world. And I, I haven't heard anyone talk about them probably in the last three years. So that's good to know that you guys got in and, and were able to pull it off. Yeah, the goal is definitely to get like listed at some point in time. So what we did is we find ourselves like this, but it's like a private company still. But we do have mm -hmm. the technical infrastructure to like at any point in time when, of course, all the things go together and, and the market is also nice to list this asset and, and make it tradable. And this is definitely the goal to be like one of the first here, but do it in a regulated, but convenient way. And I think like long-term, all the assets are going to find their way on the blockchain because it's just like way more cost efficient and secure. And yeah, we are prepared for that. Nice. And you said the word regulation a lot. Do you spend a lot of your time on regulation these days or are you out of that? And is that path to other team members? I uh, know that's definitely sticking with me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's a little bit dry, but since it's crypto, it's a little bit more interesting. So yeah, a lot of stuff to learn and, and actually to kind of form it as well, because we are still early. And what's important for good regulation is to understand like the technical limitations of what you are trying to regulate and not over-regulate. And I think that's where we can offer a great value and you need 
to be a little bit of a tech nerd to do that as well. (laughs) Yep, that makes a lot of sense. All right, last question here for you before we wrap. Let's zoom out into the future. So three years from now, what does the company look like? So what we're really wanting to build and what's like the big north side is like a standard, a reporting standard for on-chain and off-chain data. So the infrastructure business is the focus and establishing that standard really to be not only used by people who are declaring the taxes, but also by crypto exchanges and the crypto as service providers and also the government, right? So you need a data standard to be able to do it efficiently. And this is what where we want to position ourselves. So ideally, somewhere in the backend, nobody knows that it's BlockBit, but participating in every single transaction that's done. So yeah, being the data standard, kind of like what SAP did for traditional finance, but uh, being that for the digital asset space. Nice. Amazing. All right, Florian, unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time to cover for today. Before we wrap up here for this interview, if people want to follow on with your journey as you build, where's the best place for them to go? Probably our Twitter. <laughs> so Twitter is the most active space. Uh, you can follow me, call it, call it the company. Uh, latest information is going to be shared there, but also on LinkedIn. If you want to connect with me, I'm happy to connect. So yeah, those are the two big platforms that, that we are using. Awesome. This has been such a fun interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about what you're building, to share your vision, and to to really just provide some interesting insights onto what this crazy crypto market looks like and will look like in the future. So thanks so much for coming on and wish you the best of luck in executing on this vision. Thank you. Thank you. Best of luck to you too. All right. Keep in touch.